You're listening to the awesome Podcast Network. There's no more room in hell, so 80s Revisited is back for Halloween Horror, bitches. That's right, the first episode, assaulting your eardrums with lifeless limbs as we talk about Return of the Living Dead right now on the first episode of 2018's Halloween Horror on 80s Revisited. Do you ever fantasize about being killed? Never. Do you ever wonder about all the different ways of dying? You know, violently. And wonder, like, what would be the most horrible way to die? I try not to think about dying too much. Hmm. Well, for me, the worst way would be for a bunch of old men to get around me and start fighting and eating me alive. Foreshadowing much? <laughs> it sure is, especially if you're familiar with our first film in our Halloween Horror Month, The Return of the Living Dead. I am your host, your guide, your voodoo priest, through this strange and horrific month that we're going through, all about zombies. Mm. Trey Harris, with me as always, my own reanimated shambling producer, Jesse Sedgley. Yes, I am. See, I, I did a good job on him. No, no, but you look alive. You look, you look like nothing happened. Like you were never My dead. My complexion is there. It's a very death becomes her <laughs> thing. I want to touch up with spray paint before this is over. Where you go out to work and everything. Welcome back, everybody. Sorry, it's a, it's late as usual. It's my own little spawn of Satan that keeps me from podcasting regularly. Oh, just kidding. Love you, my dear. When you're listening to this, when you're older, listening to hear what your dad did when he wasn't around you. Love you to death, sweet Violet. <laughs> to death. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Welcome back, everybody. And here to discuss probably, honestly, probably my favorite zombie movie. If I had to pick mm. one, you know, it's great to have the social commentary of Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, and Day of the Dead. We'll talk more about the latter at the end of the month. But sometimes right. you just want to watch a Zomcom, Zom-com. which is this, you know, a horror movie with fantastic gore and so dripping with 80s aesthetics and humor. It just makes you, makes you feel like a kid again sitting on the couch in the middle of the night watching USA up all night with Ronda Shear. And they're doing a two for Return of the Living Dead, part one and two. So anyway, Return of the Living Dead, part one, August 16th, 1985. IMDb gave it a 7.4, which is pretty damn good on IMDb, for, especially for a horror movie. Rotten Tomatoes, 91% critics, 79% audience. So it's a bona fide critical hit, as well as a crowd pleaser for the most part. Nice. Had an estimated $4 million budget. Opening, 4.4, made its budget back. However, $4.4 million the weekend of August 16th, 1985, was only good enough for fourth place because Back to the Future was still number one for its seventh week. Uh, and that's, that's, Everett, that's, you know, Mount St. Helens trying to compete with Everest there. Sure, sure. Uh, although, you know, horror fans obviously had a clear choice. And most, most true, peop- true fans, true cinephiles, had already seen Back to the Future twice by the time it was in its seventh week. 
So they wanted something new. Still, 4.4 is still a pretty healthy opening. Mm-hmm. Uh, would, on, would go on domestically to gross $14.2 million, so big success, on a, again, on a $4 million budget. Couldn't find any information on Worldwide on Rentals, but I'm sure it made a pretty good chunk in rentals as well. Uh, directed by Dan O'Bannon. Hmm, that's a very familiar name. It should be, at least. Not for his directing, however. Uh, pretty much only other only other things was a short called Bloodbath and a film called The Resurrected. A few other miscellaneous things, but again, nothing that you've probably heard of. However, screenplay by Dan O'Bannon. Uh, you might have heard of some of these. Alien, just throwing a shot in the dark out there. Dark Star, John Carpenter's film. What are you looking at? Uh on the uh, filming locations, they gave a very specific address, <laughs> so, which is pretty rare. And so I clicked yeah. on it, and it's the only one with it. So I was like, okay, well, let's just been where the, the cemetery was and the mortuary was, and now it's a now paved it's a, lot. Yeah, now it's a parking lot. Interesting. Have to go to That's one of those Forest Hollow Grounds Center. on YouTube and see if they did a on-site thing about everything from this film. Neat. But uh, yeah, Dan O'Bannon, Alien Dark Star, Blue Thunder with Roy Scheider about a helicopter. Uh, Life Force, a great Toby Hooper film, which is on Amazon. Uh, quick shout out to Amazon Prime. I was looking at its horror movie section. They have a ton of good shit on there right now. Mm. Uh, most of which I already own, so it doesn't matter. But uh, lots of good stuff, including the very film we're talking about today. So if you haven't seen it in America, Amazon Prime has got you covered. Not sure if it's on any of the other streaming services, but it's definitely on Amazon Prime. He also wrote the reboot of Invaders from Mars, another Toby Hooper film. Total Recall, the original. And mm-hmm. one of my favorite underrated 90s science fiction films, Screamers, with Robocop himself, Peter Weller. Uh, cinematography was uh, Jules Brennan, Brenner. excuse me. He also did uh, Teen Wolf 2 and Salem's Lot. Uh, cinematography is okay. <laughs> He's not a cinematographer we're really going to care to mention, unlike uh, next week's, which is really surprising based on the film that we're talking about and what that cinematographer would go on to do later in life. Uh, starring horror icon Tom Matthews as Freddy, which is funny because he's mostly known for his role of Tommy Jarvis in Friday the 13th Part 6, and also the fan film Never Hype Alone, where he reprises that role. He was also in Return of the Living Dead 2, not as the same character, and also The Peacemaker with Nicole Kidman and George Clooney. And he turns up every now and then, small bit roles, nothing major. He will always be pretty much known as Tommy Jarvis Mm -hmm. or Freddy from this. Uh, The great star of the film, I'd say James Caron as Frank. Uh, He was also in Mulholland Drive, Poltergeist. Also, Return of the Living Dead 2, again, teaming up with Tom Matthews, not as the same character. Uh, the Stephen King adaptation of At Pupil by Brian Singer, I believe. He was Mr. Cannerman on Seinfeld from the uh, Puerto Rico Day episode. All you Sinophiles uh, <laughs> might remember him from that. Uh, Clue G- Gulliger, I'm assuming that's is how it's pronounced, was Bert. He was in Nightmare on Elm Street 2. Uh, not too long ago, uh, the uh, horror film Feast, which is uh, pretty bloody, and that's about it. Uh, he was also in The Willies, which is a 90s anthology, a PG-13 90s anthology horror series, which also had donkey lips from uh, Salute Your Shorts in it, so that's why I remember it. But it was actually, haven't seen it since the 90s. When did it come out? Let's see, 90... December 1990. Yeah. Haven't seen it since 91, 92, but I remember as a kid, as a 10-year-old, as an 11-year-old, pretty creepy for the time. In fact, the story with donkey lips stands out because he would tear the wings off of flies. But one day... The flies grow super big and tear his arms off. Mm. So that always kind of stuck with me as a kid. Spoiler alert for the last story in the Willies. But Mm. uh, definitely worth checking out because, again, it is October. You should be watching a horror movie a night or at least a few a week to get into the season. It's hard for me to get in the season here in South Louisiana because it's 90 
fucking degrees outside. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I just want to sit outside, drink a nice pumpkin spice latte, and read, you know, right now I'm reading Carrie yeah, by Stephen King. Never read the book. Month Can't sit that. outside. <laughs> Can't sit in nice fall weather until January 15th around here. So, unfortunately. So if you have fall weather where you're at, don't be bitchy about it. Oh, it's cold. I wish it was warm again. No, you don't. Come down here, switch with me. Everything will be good. Uh, also starring Don Kalfa as Ernie, Bert and Ernie. Mm. More on that later. Uh, he was in Steven Spielberg's 1941 Weekend at Bernie's, and he was the vice principal in Twin Peaks. For you Twin Peaks fans out there, I know there's a few of you out there that listen. also listen to this podcast. John Philbin was Chuck. He was also in Tombstone and Children of the Corn. Mark Venturini was Scuzz. I mentioned him because he's also a Friday the 13th alumni. The third one in this film. Uh, I mean, sorry, the second one. We're about to get to the third one. He was in Friday Part 5. He was the gentleman... Excuse me, chopping wood, who then chopped human wood in terms of the, uh, I forget the kid's name, that offered him chocolate. Uh, that set Roy into the villainous mode of killing everybody under the guise of Jason Voorhees in the last Friday film that we actually reviewed on the podcast last Friday the 13th. So check that one out. And I just totally spoiled that one for you if you haven't seen it because Roy's the killer. Uh, and again, the third that I mentioned, Friday alumni, Miguel A. Nunez Jr. was Spider in this film. He was Demon in Friday 5. Uh, those damn enchiladas! That's pretty much what's he's, what he's known for and dying in the outhouse uh, in the Friday series. He was also, though, in Scooby-Doo. Uh, I mentioned before when we talked about him on the Friday 13th episode, he was in uh, Tour of Duty, the TV show about the Vietnam War, which was uh, really good for its time. And also he was General DJ in Street Fighter, Van Damme Street Fighter, the only true Street Fighter mm. uh, in terms of a film. Uh, Alan Trotman uh, was under the, guy, under the makeup as Tar Man, he was most recently in the Happy Time Murders. He was in the Jungle Book, Monkey Bone. And he was a few characters on the Dinosaurs TV series from the 90s. And rounding out this cast, the 80s scream queen herself, Lena, Lena, or Lena Quigley, I forget how you pronounce her name, is Trash, who we opened the show with. Uh, she was also in Night of the Demons, Graduation Day, Silent Night, Deadly Night, and Lena Quigley's Horror Workout, which was because of her 80s scream queen status, she had her own workout video with zombies and other things, which I'm pretty sure it's available on YouTube if you want to check out some of that wow. for a horror workout. I would assume it should have... screaming the whole time? I'm not, I've watched part of it, not all of it, because I don't want to watch... It seemed entertaining. I should revisit it. Hmm. On a future episode. Hmm. Maybe a bonus Halloween horror episode, if we have the time. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, talking about Return of the Living Dead, this was a film that... Obviously, came out in 85. I was five years old. Did not see it in the theater. However, I clearly, as day, remember the movie poster, the VHS cover art for this film. It's iconic. Yeah. It is the zombie spray painting, Return of the Living Dead on the tombstone with the zombie standing behind it. Beautiful, classically 80s movie poster. Mm -hmm. Always stood out to me. Always was interesting to me. Oh, what is this? I mean, like, I know Night of the Living Dead. This must be part two. More on that next week when we talk about uh, the Return of the Living Dead series as opposed to Day, Dawn, Night, and all that stuff. So we'll drop a truth bomb on you soon, but not this episode. Have to stay tuned for that one because I needed something to fill the next episode <laughs> with because there's not too much to talk about the next one. So that's why I saved it for that one. Uh, armchair detectives should have already figured out what next week's episode is. Uh, but anyway, yeah, the cover art always, always drew me to this film as a kid. So then when it would come on... Up All Night or TBS, it was like, oh, wait, this is Return of the Living Dead. I want to watch this TV version, of course. But again, TV versions for the mo for a good, a good a, were still decent in the 80s to watch on TV. 
you know, they still censored some of the Friday Thirteenth stuff with a bitch, bitch about every Halloween horror. Uh, you know, but again, for the most part, you would got the gist of everything that happened. Now, granted, the TV version of Return of the Living Dead completely cut out Lena Quigley's naked graveyard romp, mm. which seeing that for the first time when I rented it was quite the experience. Yes, <laughs> it was a very, it was a very good, good moment. Like, oh my god, this wasn't on TV. <laughs> uh, what else have they been hiding from me? <laughs> my God, the veil has been lifted. <laughs> but yeah. And the thing that really, why this is my favorite, again, because it's, it takes itself as serious as it needs to to be fun. Dawn of the Dead is a, I mean, I'm sorry. Yeah, Dawn of the Dead, excuse me, uh, you know, is, a, is all about consumerism and all that. There's a, there's a message there, which is also why it's two, out, two hours plus long. Great film. Don't get me wrong. Not going to be on this podcast because I think Dawn was in the late 70s, I want to say. It wasn't in the 80s. Day was the only one in the 80s. Uh you know, it has something to say, which I appreciate. Night did too. Racism and all that stuff. Day, eh, whatever. He kind of just didn't care at that point, I guess. I'm sure there's a social commentary in there for Day, but it's, it's missed me every time. Maybe militar- militarization or something like that. Who knows? But anyway, this one is just, it's, it is exactly what you would expect from a zombie movie in the 80s. So you have that absolute ridiculous characters, over the top, you have the characters that just happen to be perfect for the situation that's thrown, that's happened to be there, and then you know you have you have some zombie conventions that are only in this series that later would be in other series. You have running zombies. Way before the Dawn of the Dead remake, there were running zombies in Return of the Living Dead. You have talking zombies. <laughs> you know it's it's silly, but at the same time it's also pretty creepy. Where they have the half woman zombie on the slab and they're asking, "Why do you eat us?" You know, it's like. You make the pain go. Why do you want our brains? You make the pain go away. <laughs> so you know, there's actually you know, again, it's this isn't Stephen King writing, <laughs> right? Know, right. Even though Dan O'Bannon screenplay of Alien and Poltergeist, you know, he's he's a good screenwriter, but he knew what he was making, and it really shows there that you know you you have some seriousness, but it's quickly offset by the tongue and cheekness of everything else. And again, you had over-the-top effects, fantastic practical effects that are phenomenal. You know, pretty good direct. So again, cinematography, this isn't like, you know, uh, the Dawn of the Dead remake or anything that where there are beautiful, beautifully done shots in it. Right. There are some good shots in here that benefit the makeup and everything that's going on. Because this is a comedy. This is a, again, it's a Zomcom. Not to be confused with any of that modern shit. Like my boyfriend, no, that was the 90s. But there was a recent one where the zombie came back. The boyfriend came back. But it was called something else, warm bodies or something like that. Yeah, that's that's this is a that's not a rom-com. Because I'm making I'm doing a play on words of ro- rom-com. There's no romance in this. Well, there is romance in this film. Sweet punk naked running through the graveyard romance, <laughs> which is my kind of romance. Right. So it's a rom-com. But there's other ones. Don't call them rom-coms. It's only for Return of the Living Dead. One and two, threes take this stuff a little too seriously. <laughs> uh, but yeah, if you, if you haven't seen this film. Absolutely, high, highly recommend. It's again, it's on Amazon Prime. If you got a Prime account, you can watch it for free tonight. Uh, it's not for the kiddies. Uh, I mean, I'd let my daughter watch it at a certain age, you know, like with with me. Like, you know, we're gonna watch a zombie movie. It's gonna be kind of gross and scary, but you know, I'm here watching it with you. If you get scared, you can. We'll turn it off. Blah blah blah. It'll be uh, on AMC on October 16th. Ooh, it must be on their Fear Fest. At 10.20 a.m. Central Time. What the fuck? <laughs> Set the, your DVRs. The perfect time I love to watch a horror movie at 10.20 right. Right. in the morning. Get your no. coffee and your yeah, bagel. My, my and coffee. My... 
<laughs> my croque monsieur from yeah. Latin. Ah, uh, yes. Let's see what's on the telly. Oh, hmm, my favorite. But yeah, a great soundtrack on top of that. 80s punk music, including uh, there's a great song called Surfing Dead off the soundtrack, which is on my Halloween playlist, uh, which is fantastic. There's just really... The Jet Black Berries, 45 Grave, The Flesh Eaters, Tall Boys. Tall Boys. <laughs> One of those didn't fit. <laughs> Excuse me, but again, great soundtrack, great poster, fun cast. Everybody's playing it up. Like for what the film needs, like there's you know when there's scenery chewing, it works. Uh, pr- fantastic practical effects, it's all good. There's I really have nothing to say bad about this film, to be perfectly honest. The ending, fantastic. The balls on them for this ending. Spoiler alert for the ending of Return to the Living Dead. If you have not seen this movie, pause the pod- podcast, watch it tonight on Amazon, and then pick it up tomorrow on your commute to work. Spoilers in right now. The movie ends with them dropping an atomic bomb on the town. Everybody dies. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. <laughs> and the thing is, nobody knows it's coming. They're all trying to survive. They're doing. They're, they're doing. You know, like okay, zombies, and they're smart zombies. When you when you when you're when uh, Tom Matthews and uh, come, when he becomes a zombie, he's still like cognitive of like, like I just want your brains. Like he's just if like if I just turned to a zombie right now, I would just try. I would have all my intelligence, strength, and everything. But a desire for brains. Yeah. And of course, as you're as the zombies, obviously the body breaks down; they become weaker, so to speak. Although, when the zombies come up out of the ground, thriller style, they're running like they're not, right? You know, falling apart. So, when it's done serious, like in part three, where it's a little more, you know, people getting their brains eaten all over the place and stuff like that, you know, it's a little more horrifying in that sense. Uh, but this one is like it's still like holy shit! Like when you when you take the comedic aspect of it of a zombie getting on the loudspeaker saying "send more cops" <laughs> to get more cops to come so the zombies ambush them and eat them, you know, great little touches like that throughout the film, you know. So it's but it's still if you, if you break it down to like okay zombies that basically you're in 28 days later territory, which right. people still put that as a zombie movie. I don't, it's not a zombie movie. It's a virus movie. Right, right. They're not zombies. They're not dead. So they're not a fucking zombie. <laughs> there's a dif- There's a difference there. Uh, you know, 20 Days Later, one of the, I think one of the, probably one of my top 10 horror movies ever, if I had to make a list. But they're not zombies. They're not dead. Which, that makes it scary because it's just like a switch going off in people. Maybe in people's list they say that, but I mean, there's no indication of zombies anywhere on here. Yeah, they're like you'll see top ten zombie movies. Let me do a fine. You'll see oh, twenty eight days later out. on it. It's not a zombie movie. Somebody did not pay attention. Yeah. To the film. Someone wrote a storyline. Someone submitted a storyline. Said inhabited by zombie-like humans. No, it's plot insane. keyword zombie apocalypse. It's more like the crazies. Yeah. Uh, which I watched the original last night for the first time. More on that in the Back to the Future segment. Of course, someone's review says. Uh, by not making it precise zombie movie. I guess it was freshening up the zombie genre, which it kind of did. At the time, 2002, there weren't many zombie mm-hmm. movies. And it was after this that they started coming back. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It was a, it's a viral outbreak called Rage that m- makes people fucking insane. Yeah. It's, they're not... When they get killed, when you kill them like you would... Ki- they're, you know, of course, you know, they're immune to pain, sort of. Like, I mean, it doesn't matter. They're just going to come at you till... You literally kill like a you know whatever it takes to actually stop a human from coming after you is gonna kill. Them. It's not like shoot him in the head. Yeah. Then you know, I mean that would stop him, but that does not a zombie make. 
Because yeah. uh, Return of the Living Dead, perfect example. It's it's not about the brain. They'll still come after you without the brain. So, you know, it's... it's. I mean, you get into vampire territory here where, like, you know, oh, like the discussion in uh, Dust Till Dawn. You know, I know there's something with silver with vampires. Or, you know, they're, talk, they're getting confused. They're talking about, that's just in the movies. Or or you get scenes like in Blade where, like, that's just the movies. The only way to, or John Carpenter's vampires. The only way to kill a vampire is to stick a stake through his heart. Or sunlight. Like, literally just two things. There's no bullshit. Right. Garlic. You, you put garlic in front of a vampire, he'll turn you over and shove it up your ass. <laughs> James Woods, before he went crazy. Far right James Woods. <laughs> That's still, like, one of my favorite. Like, his character in that movie is so fantastic in uh, John Carpenter's Vampires. But that's 90s revisited, not 80s revisited. But, yeah. Turn to Living Dead. Highest possible recommendation. So much fun. Unlikely heroes and stuff like that that come up, and even though the the main a lot of the main characters are punks or whatever, nevertheless you just kind of like oh 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 they got him oh they got her it's it's but it's just fun. Every time I watch this film, I have a smile on my face. It's just pure, unadulterated Halloween fun. Uh, when uh, Frank uh, James Car- James Karen's death scene in this film is so poignant that it's just like. Wow, this almost doesn't belong in this film because it's so like sweet, in a sense. Which because uh, he he's realizing oh we got affected because in this film it's gas, mm-hmm. it's a gas that turns you into a zombie, and it, it you know they even mention this is this is a you know you have the Halloween movie timeline where like you know you have Halloween one, Halloween two, Halloween three is over here. Then from two you have four, five, six, and then from one you have H two O only. And resurrection, the timelines are split, and now yeah. the new one. You have a third timeline with the new one coming out uh, in just two weeks. Fucking hyped! But uh, so in this one, you have Night of the Living Dead, and then it branches off to Return of the Living Dead. The other branch is Dawn of the Dead and Romero series, and the other one is this series. Hmm. But they both are basically sequel. Both series are basically, in a nutshell, sequels to the original. But they explain it in this one that it's a gas, and then they open up a barrel. And le- they get gas, like oh, so they're now. They're dying. The gas is killing them and turning them into zombies. Well, it also animates a corpse in the room or something like that, or the, out of the barrel. Not Star Man. There's some other corpse in there that gets involved, so then they burn the corpse. Well, they're burning something infected with it, and when you burn something, what does it do? Everything goes gas, in the air. Yeah. Well, at that point, it, it just falls. It doesn't... For, they never really say because nobody lasts long enough because an atomic bomb takes care of everybody. Mm-hmm. If, like, the fallout of the that affects people as the, the actual gas would, but apparently it's a crematorium, so what's next door to the crematorium? The graveyard. All the zombies come up. Thriller ensues. Uh, but yeah, it's, just, it's so much, it's, it's just a fun movie. Again, if you haven't seen it, like, believe me, it's well worth your time. If you didn't like it, no, well, fuck you. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> That's your opinion. You're entitled to it. Have you ever seen this, Jesse? I don't think I have. Well, if you're looking for something to watch... <laughs> I would recommend it. It, it again. It's just, it doesn't jump out at me. It's fun, and then like the if you, if you've seen it, you probably would remember Tar Man. That's kind of the biggest. That's the zombie on the front there, like yeah, sli- super slimy. That's kind of the the uh, well known character. You know, the, he's the poster boy for the series. So much he even shows up in a couple of the sequels somehow <laughs> <laughs> after so. being nuked. Same actor too. But anyway, uh, some of the some of the trivia behind the scenes stuff. Uh, some of the zombies zombie extras were paid more to eat real calf brains in the film. Uh, Dan O'Bannon, the director, and great, you know, decent director, fantastic screenwriter, didn't want the actors to do anything he wasn't willing to do, so he ate some of them in front of them first. 
Wow. Which I've heard, that, I've heard that about Vince McMahon too. Like uh, when he wanted Shawn Michaels to do his rappelling in and all that Owen Hart stuff, like he would do it first. Not anymore. And, yeah, well, of course not. <laughs> After I took out Owen Hart, I don't have to do it anymore. Well, I mean, just his age. He's not going to set examples now. Yeah. Or all the wrestlers would be walking around really slow and <laughs> <laughs> barely showing up. Yeah, barely showing. No, he's backstage all the time. Still? Yeah. That's good. I think he's always back there. I would imagine. Just like, I don't want to be on camera today, you know? It's... Well, I mean, also, in the day of HD, going out on yeah. camera, like, you see everything. Yeah. Like, all these yeah, news. I, I hate watching the news when I, I don't have cable, but when I see it, like, in a restaurant, I'm watching it on a 1080p and eight, for news and it's just like, wow, those, yep. that man and lady need to, they need to put some Vaseline on the lens or something, because <laughs> that's, you know, they don't have to worry about that. And you, you look uh, at something... 480 back in the day it didn't matter yeah you gotta hide the strings you could hide, yeah exactly you, you didn't see superman's wires yeah you watch it on blu-ray he flew what the, why is why is christopher reeve why is superman attaching these wires yeah. what's happening here you know he's it's not when he's flying around the earth but when he lands on the on the ground it must be tangling in something it can't be wired it's, it's, there's an explanation to this my childhood is sacred <laughs> uh the character ernie is thought to be a nazi due to his sharing a name with ernst kaltenbrunner uh, there's also character details that provide an indication of his past. For example, when he's uh, when they come into him in the crematorium, he's listening to the German Africa Court's march song "Panzer Roland in Afrika Vor" on his Walkman. <laughs> Walkman. Uh, when he embalms bodies, mm. he carries a German Walther P38. He has a picture of Eva Braun in his morgue. He refers to the rainstorm coming around the crematorium that seems uh, surprised and ashamed when he learns that the dead can feel pain. Uh, in the commentary, Daniel Bannon mentions that Ernie was intended to be an escaped Nazi in hiding. So there's little hints in there that if you know a whole bunch of German stuff, so you're probably a Nazi yourself, <laughs> or of German ancestry to know what he's listening to and stuff like that, or know what Eva Braun looks like. Mm. Pick up on that. On the, I thought this was hilarious, and if you're watching it for the first time or you're revisiting it for the season, on the back of Freddie's jacket, again, Freddie's Tom Matthews, uh, in the theatrical version, the words, fuck you, are displayed. However... After realizing that the shots of it could not be used on television, a second jacket was made that says TV version. That could be seen in the television version of the movie. Just but, a TV version? Yeah, it says on the back of his jacket, TV version instead of fuck you. However, when you're watching it, you'll see there are some scenes that will say TV version in the theatrical version, just a couple, and then you'll see, but then the other, other times you'll see the fuck you jacket. <laughs> so it's a fun little thing to watch for when you're watching it. Uh, when shooting, I thought this was hilarious. When shooting uh, Linnea Quigley's uh, Nate nude dance scene, she initially was completely naked and showed pubic hair, which was a little too much even for the '80s. Usually, they were shaven. It was shaved nude uh, was the typical thing of the time that that people wanted for some reason. Uh, however, the producer, Graham Henderson, visited the shoot that day. Wow, good job, creepo producer, <laughs> visiting on that day. Uh, a little pre-Weinsteining. Uh, and according to him and others, threw a fit, yelling at Dan O'Bannon, saying, you can't show pubic hair on television. Well, duh, A, duh, because <laughs> right. it's television. Uh, he didn't send, uh, Dan O'Bannon then sent uh, Linnea away and had her completely shaved, which coincidentally, she herself, uh, Linnea, found to be the most embarrassing part of the whole situation. They did another shoot to which the producer then cried, Oh, God, it's even worse. You can see everything. Apparently, Mr. Henderson is either gay or a virgin at this time because he had no clue right. what a female looks like when she takes her pants off, yeah. shaved or unshaved. 
So at that point, they then sent Linnea over to Bill Munez and William Stout, the uh, special effects guys, where they made an Alain Alan, Alignite crotch piece. Not sure if I pronounced that right. Not the crotch and piece words, but the other word. Uh, resembling the bottom of a G-string and glued it on. And according to Linnea, this was a bit of a problem since every time she had to go to the bathroom, they had to completely remove it. Because of this, there are no shots of her with a completely naked crotch area. So when she's in there <laughs> dancing, there is a prosthetic thing, G-string thing over yeah. it. Ridiculous. Yeah, that's <laughs> Thanks, crazy. Graham Henderson, creepoid producer of the 80s. Uh, the eye test poster, which is seen most clearly in the scene after Frank and Freddy run into Bert's office after hearing the first reanimated cadaver in the lab, or in the, uh, I guess you can call it lab, uh, in Bert's office, it actually reads, Bert is a slave driver and a cheap son of a bitch who's going bald too, ha ha ha, if you put the letters together on the eye chart. Uh, you can pause the Blu-ray around 1729 into the movie for a clear shot. Not sure if that aligns up with the Amazon version or not, because that's usually sometimes a little tricky. But around mm-hmm. that time, you can see the eye chart in the background. And it's actually a joke, in-joke for, it's an in-joke of the movie for the characters in the movie, which is pretty funny. Uh, on the DVD commentary, Dan O'Bannon claims he was surprised at how many women were in the initial audiences and said if he'd known that, that the film would end up with such a large female following, he would have shown Freddie naked as well. So he, he would actually, you know, very progressive of Dan O'Bannon, you know, to look after all sides of the audience. Uh, after the rabid weasels are brought into the resurrection funeral home and the tarp is removed, uh, and all the bags are like jiggling and shaking to great comedic effect. Uh, they're actually uh, those little toy monkeys, like in Toy Story 3, that are the monkey that's watching the cameras with the symbols. It's actually a whole bunch of those with the symbols taken off, wound up, and put in bags. So they're all shaking uh, the bags to be animated body parts. So that was funny. a nice little uh, joke there. Uh, Alan Trotman, again, he was tra- uh, Tar Man. He mentioned in the commentary that one of the main ingredients for the tar of his costume was methicil, and methicil was a thickening agent used in milkshakes, but it was also one of the main ingredients for one of the alumni of our Halloween horror. In fact, last year's Halloween horror, Mr. The Blob himself, The Blob, was mostly made up of the same crap hmm. flown all over Alan Trotman for Tarman. Uh, the two, two of the heroes of the movie are named Bert and Ernie, obviously an iconic reference to Sesame Street, right? Nah, Dan O'Bannon didn't even know what he was, didn't even know that, and just <laughs> picked those names. According to him. So, uh, didn't even have a clue. And, there, and, and I'll believe that because there's no scene where, like, hey, Bert, hey, Ernie. There's no, like, right. it's just, you know, Ernie, I need your help. What do you, you know? It's, and then it's not like, it's not even a callback to it or anything. It's like, oh, Bert and Ernie, where, where were you guys? There's uh, nothing what do you like want, that. Bert? <laughs> I would love to see this film with those roles <laughs> with the pup. Everybody's normal. Happy time right. murders, except with. Actual Bert and Ernie. Or just take scenes from Sesame Street and, and put just in the sound it of in. this. <laughs> would be awesome uh, Toby Hooper mentioned him earlier uh, who obviously has directed two films at least two films that uh, Dan O'Bannon had written was originally slated to direct and this was supposed to be a 3D film for the time which would have been interesting uh, and this was great I thought although uh, the, uh, who did play Bert let me because I don't remember these names uh, originally the role of Bert was uh, yeah Clue Gulliger uh, however they originally wanted none other than Leslie Nielsen which would have been great, sure. would have fit this movie perfectly, but he wanted too much money. But Clue did a fantastic job. Every all, the cast in this film, there's a lot of good chemistry there. I think it it all works. I even though this is a ridiculously silly situation, I'm invested in these characters because it's all played together so well. At 110, percent fantastic, uh, great cast. Uh, the film's German title is 
Verdament die Zombies kommen. Again, I'm sorry to any German speakers or German listeners. I don't know anything except uh, Alsidesen and Nazi uh, in German, so sorry. Uh, which is roughly, damn it, the zombies are coming, which is a great title. The Danish title is, and I don't need this even less than any possible <laughs> German pronunciation, Ligin or Liginglad, which is roughly the dead don't care, playing up the comical aspect of the film. So I thought those two names were pretty funny. Although Return of the Living Dead Spot takes on. care of it. Perfect. Uh, Dan O'Bannon was originally supposed to play Frank, and he actually wrote the part for himself in mind, but when James Karen came in to read for another part, O'Bannon was just blown away by him and put him in the role of Frank, which is fantastic because, again, great actor. Great for this film, and he's also great in the sequel. Uh, Tom Matthews got his ear pierced for the role of Freddy since the character's description specifically called for one. Apparently, Tom hadn't done enough movies at that time to realize that they could have just given him a fake one. Hmm. So... But you know what? That's not a big deal. It'll heal. Take it out. You're good. Although you probably could have gotten a, in the 80s, getting your ears pierced was probably a lot more riskier yeah. in L.A. than it is today. Uh, the Darrow Chemical Company that manufactured the 245 trioxin in the film is based on the Dow Chemical Company, which has beautiful facilities not too far from us mm-hmm. in multiple locations right here. So yeah. if there is a zombie outbreak similar to the film from a gas, it's going to happen around us, unfortunately, Jesse. Uh, they really, in reality, Dow manufactured a chemical defoliant in the 60s. Everybody should know it. Agent Orange, which is a 50 mix of 224D and 254T, which is where they get the 254 trioxin from for this film. Hmm. Uh, and if you don't know, kids, that was used to pretty much kill foliage in Vietnam so that we can find uh, the Viet Cong hiding more easily. However, they sprayed it on our troops as well. Many of them got cancer and other horrific diseases because of being exposed to it, so they don't make it anymore. Mm-hmm. Every now and then you hear something, oops, uh, this batch of Roundup has some reminiscent chemicals in it. Or I think Roundup actually has one of those chemicals in it still or something. So one of those chemicals is still in use, but not the zombie-causing one because I haven't heard of any zombie outbreaks lately. Hmm. But anyway, uh, Agent Orange, uh, let's see, blah, 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 caused a lot of adverse health effects and it's no longer used. It was used extensively in New Zealand up until the 80s where it was manufactured in New Plymouth and sold under the name of Torden Brush Killer. So if any, if you see a, bo- a bottle of Torden Brush Killer in your grandparents' garages or a garage... Uh, Basement? Yeah, you know, wherever in uh, whatever you call them, garages in New Zealand. Garage, that's the word oh, I was looking for. Garage. Thinking of uh, Levon, Belton, John. Uh, if you see that, you should put some gloves on and throw it away immediately. Because <laughs> that's Agent Orange. <laughs> Actually, I have to take it to the disposal site. Oh, well, there you go. Can't just throw it in the trash can. <laughs> Good. Thank you, Jesse, for correcting me, because Jesse deals with chemicals as well. So very, very good safety. Don't, don't cause throw a zo- the recycling bag. Don't cause a zombie outbreak in New Orleans by <laughs> disposing of your uh, tort and brush killer. Uh, and to avoid being sued by the Dow Chemical Company, Dan O'Bannon created the name Darrow, which sounds a lot like Dow when pronounced, but wasn't spelled the same. Uh, your, here's a bit of useless trivia. The combination of the lock of the freezer door is 22 right, 4 left, and 10 right. That's your useless horror Jeopardy trivia. So 22, 4, 10. Combination. Combination I use in my luggage. In fact, uh, only an idiot would you. (laughs) I get that reference. In fact, uh, when we watched The Running Man for the Stephen King year, uh, or pre-Stephen King, Richard Bachman, excuse me, pre-King episodes of the podcast, there's the scene in The Running Man where they, he tells, uh, do with the glasses, I forget his name, mentions to the girl, Maria, or uh, Amber in the film. I'm looking for the guy, not William, the other dude. 
Not nope. William. The other Harold, maybe, because there's not he's new with the glasses. Forget his name in the film. But he says, Remember these numbers. Said Autumn. See a pause said, Autumn, I want you to see how long you can remember these numbers for. To this day I can still say, What are the running man numbers? And she'll remember them. Oh wow. So it might I made such a big deal about it, she put it <laughs> to her long term memory. So again, if you're on horror jeopardy that doesn't exist, but if anybody <laughs> wants to do it, they should absolutely do it. How many as a contestant? You know, for the trivia round. You'll know the running man numbers. Which well, are Well Autumn will. I don't. Oh, you don't? I always double check it, or I'll pull it up first before I'll ask her. I don't remember them. I think 18's one of them. Oh, <laughs> or eight or something. Running Man Lovers. Oh. Oh, I don't know all this. No, that's like some Japanese show. What? Wait, the Running Man is that real? Is actually yeah, on the air in Japan thing. right now? Hell yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, score wise, I'd give this a nine. Again, it's probably, when I really think about it, it's probably my favorite zombie movie. When I really just like, which if I want to watch a zombie movie right now, what do I well, most like? What I want to watch? Return of the Living Dead. I'm happy with that. So, in the real oh yeah, so oh no, the intro will be Halloween horror, so we'll use I'll use the real world stuff now. Uh, in the real world again, this released August 16th, 1985. Five days later, the first arms 96 BGM 71 TOWs are sent to Iran in exchange for hostages in Lebanon and profits for the Nicaraguan Contras, not the cool NES Contras. But the bad ones, because this is the start of the Iran-Contra affair, which, uh, you know, put a black eye on the Reagan presidency and put a black eye on Ollie North, but it didn't matter because Fox News hired him 20 years later to do all their stuff anyway. Yeah. So he bounced back pretty good from mm. this governmental black ob that blew up in the administration's faces in the 80s. So, yeah, Back to the Future got a few things to catch up on. A lot of horror-related stuff, I'd say. Uh, get the non-horror stuff out of the way first. Uh, I saw the Sicario sequel. Uh, super disappointed. Ah. It started off so good. I was like, oh, this... Because a friend of mine uh, mentioned, like, dude, it, it's don't see it in a the theater. Just rent it. I'm like, okay, don't tell me anything else. I'll rent it. I'm watching, like, oh, my God, like, first half of it. Like, what What was he complaining about? And then it takes a turn. I was like, okay, this sucks. So the person who read the script read the first few pages and were like, this looks good. Well, I Let's imagine the first one was such a big hit at the time. Like, oh, you got a sequel? Let's do it. We'll at least make the budget back, I'm sure. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Which it probably did, I imagine. Uh, Brolin and Tel Toro, fantastic. Excuse me. Uh, beautifully shot. Well done. It's just, you're watching, you're watching. Great action sequences. Good, st- okay. And then there's this point where the film takes a turn. It's like, okay. Yeah, this is fucking stupid. Mm. It takes a, it's like going up, up, up. <laughs> like Black Friday stocks. <laughs> just straight you know that, that graphic you see like sell 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 you know they couldn't sell fast enough wow like it's it's bad and the ending is just like really no fucking way hmm not even not even like I'm, I really thought about it because I really wanted to like I was completely invested in it and then just nah so if you're interested in seeing the sequel you like the first one first one's still fantastic second one first half is gonna keep you you're like wow Tracy this was bad you'll see <laughs> You'll see. Trust me. You'll, you'll see. And if you like it, good for you. I, don't th- I think you're wrong, though. <laughs> Absolutely think you're wrong. Uh, now, uh, horror-wise, uh, I watched the Kane Hodder documentary, uh, To Hell and Back, or something like that, I think is the name of the Kane Hodder story. Really fantastic documentary. Uh, well done. Uh, goes over. Because, of course, if you don't know, Kane Hodder played Jason in uh, 7, 8, 9, and Jason X. The mask, and- right? 
<laughs> Not that one. That was a different movie. Uh, that great GIF on that too, by the way. Excuse me. I see, I'm saying GIF now. Great GIF. I refuse to call it a GIF, even though I just did. Just did. Yeah. Didn't mean to see it. It's the indoctrination is seeping into me like Mass Effect. I got to push it out. Uh, but yeah, uh, if, you, if you're interested, in, you know, if you if you like a good horror documentary about more behind the scenes stuff, fantastic documentary because uh, you know Kane Hodder was uh, he's an icon in the horror community. Uh, but also, most people didn't know this, but I mean, he was horrifically burned uh, when he was young, starting out. And uh, I always knew that, because every time you see him at conventions, he usually wears gloves, because I always heard he was horrifically burned into the whole story. The documentary goes over that, shows pics of what happened, you know, like that the news person took pictures of when it happened. Uh, great documentary that gives a lot of insight, and Bruce Campbell has a great quote on there, too, because they're talking like, you know, when you go to these conventions and you see, you know, this is my Bruce Campbell voice. Uh, I know, sorry, Bruce, <laughs> I cannot imitate the great Bruce Campbell. But, you know, he's saying, uh, you know, you go to these horror conventions, the guys that play the villains are always the nicest guys. You talk to these other guys, and he, you know, he's a hero, too. He's like, you yeah, talk to the heroes, they're all assholes. Like me. <laughs> you know, I was, I was expecting him to then say, you know, just like me. But that's not in there. Bruce Campbell was a great guy the one time I met him. But, you know, he does have that air of, like, I'm Bruce Campbell. You know, and he knows yeah, it, which is, fan- which is perfect. That's exactly what I'd expect from him. But he's right. I mean, at least in my experience, I mean, I've never, I've never made it out to a Texas Frightmare Weekend or a Horror Hound. Would lo- absolutely love to. But, uh, you know, met, I mentioned before at local Comic-Con in New Orleans, the Wizard World, got to meet Robert England and uh, Elvira in terms of and Norman Reedus. But, I mean, he's not technically, he's just in Walking Dead. I mean, I met him originally because, oh, he's in, oh, he's one of the Boondock Saints and all that. But he's, I mean, he's, he's got a good horror pedigree outside of Walking Dead, though. He was in uh, one of the uh, Masters of Horror and he did uh, Blade Two, So... He's got some horror cred. Yeah, I'll give that to him. So yeah, but I mean, all like exceptionally nice Looks people. Looks like DDP. He does absolutely. <laughs> if they could be brothers, uh, but it, again, if you're if you know if you're a fan of '80s horror icons, it's a fantastic documentary. It's a little long, but it it, it does a good job of telling his story. Which, and it's got some other. It's got interviews with Robert Unglin, England, and uh, you know some other people in the uh, horror. You know, recognize familiar faces that talk about you know working with him and how what a nice guy he is, how what a good stunt man he is, and all that. So very interesting. And then one of the most talked about films of the year, uh, not even among horror circles, just everywhere, is the new Nicolas Cage movie called Mandy. Jesse, have you watched this yet? I have not. It's on Amazon. There's other ways you can get it too. Uh, it's it, it's kind of a limited theatrical release. Although this month I see it popping up like at, locally at the Manship and come see Man. Like, right. I'll tell you right. Most of the people that most of the people I know would like this movie. I would say because it's 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 got a Twin Peaks vibe. Let me put it this way: it, Imagine if Rob Zombie made a good movie. You know, his, I, imagine I, that. I like Rob. I've always I, you know I've, I said I don't like his movies. I think they're very overrated, but they're visually they're eye candy. They're well done visually. There's uh, you know, good imagery there. Now imagine if there was a Rob Zombie movie done with you know, taking that imagery up a notch and then throw a Nicolas Cage and say, Nick, you're free. <laughs> you have that's man. I'm not gonna say anything about the story. I will I will caution you with this. If you watch it, it is the first half is slow. Mm-hmm. It takes it takes its time and then it puts its foot on the gas. And it doesn't stop. Uh, it's absolutely, it's fantastic. I absolutely, like, when when I finished watching, I was like, did I like this or not? I had to stop and think for a minute. Like, did I really like this or is it just really overrated? 
And upon like really thinking back about it, like, okay, I, th- I think it was good. I think it was fantastic. It was enjoyable. It was trippy. It was like, what the fuck is going on here? And it was great. So, and it's, you know, it's one of those darker, uh, I don't want to, I can't, I can't say anything about that shot because it was, it's a spoiler, <laughs> but that like, uh, there is, there is one shot that is absolutely hilarious that you're, no matter what you're going to crack up at. Because it's Nicolas Cage. If only we were a visual medium. Yes. Maybe soon. <laughs> Who knows? But yeah. You can make a uh, schedule. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but Mandy is, it, it's got a little bit of Hellraiser in it. It's got some Evil Dead in it. You can see the influences pulled from it. But it's, it's just, it's different than most. You're, it's not going to be what you're expecting it to be until maybe a certain point. Uh, I don't want again. I don't want to spoil anything because I went into it just knowing that Nicolas Cage is in it and it's supposed to be a fantastic horror movie. Mm. That's all. That's that's all I was told. So that's all I hope to leave in everybody else's mind. Uh, but you can rent it on Amazon right now in HD. Uh, I've heard other people say that you should. You know, it's worth tracking down to watch it in a theater. Mm, I mean, it's again, it's visually striking, so I, I can see how that would work. But I wouldn't say you have to see it that way because most people will be unable to. This is not going to be. All over the place. Right. Uh, and I imagine most of the people that go to the manship here locally to see it are going to be like, what the fuck did I go see? Like, what is this? <laughs> what the hell is this? My, manship's a, it's a nice theater, but usually the crowd that I, to the things I've been to, they're very like, you know, Tentious. wearing uh, dress shoes with their jeans and their dress shirts with the sleeves rolled up a little bit to reveal the oh. second color underneath it. So pseudo you know. pretentious. Yeah, oh. I mean, pretentious is a good, like, I, I get that vibe. I don't, I don't like going there. Because I get that vibe. I went into Rocky Horror there with a live, with a well, actually not with a live shadow cast, but just you know Rocky. Were, that was the only place locally playing Rocky Horror a few years ago. So me and Autumn went, you know, because we like it, Rocky Horror is such a fun experience with people talking along and the whole audience participation thing. That you know, it's everybody should do that at least once or twice. Uh, but we went, and I don't know all the callbacks. I know a few of them, so we're you know saying them along. But it's also fun the people that know them all. But there was like. There was like one dude that knew him mm-hmm. that was doing like, and I could like, nobody else has probably ever seen, you know, when they say who's never seen this before, you know, people are afraid to like <laughs> raise their hand and go up there and, and have to put whipped cream in their mouth and say something or get the red V on their forehead or whatever. That's part, that's part of the fun. If you're not doing that, you're missing out on, you know, saying that you did that. And that's part of the fun. Like acknowledging that you haven't seen it as your first experience. Enjoy it. You get to be part of the show for your, the first time you watch Rocky Horror with the live cast. This year, though, they're doing with the live shadow cast, so I'm hoping if we end up going this year with the baby, again, newborn autumn still is like so apprehensive of people watching the baby. In fact, we had an, I'm not going to say an argument. It wasn't an argument, Violet, because I know you're going to listen to this when you're older to hear what your dad had to say. It wasn't an argument. But, I'm going to you know, force you to listen. Your mom loves spending time with you because she works all the time now and doesn't get to see you often. So, you know, about like the Halloween party, like, no, babe, we have to get a babysitter. Like, the party's at 7. We're not going to wait till 7.30 so you can feed her one more time. We have... A file folder of not an actual, but a, a little mini file cabinet for breast milk, full in the fridge that can only be used at home within an hour because it's frozen. You can only use frozen breast milk an hour after mm. reheating it. Like you have to re- thaw it and feed it. So like, like oh. the baby's safe at home with a babysitter, you know, and it, it's going to be her mom. Like your, you know, your mom raised you. Why are you apprehensive? Yeah, because <laughs> you know I, I understand. I'm not talking about she's, you know, she's she just loves now with the baby in daycare. She's not home all the time with the baby, so she does, you know, she misses seeing it. So I understand. But I'm like, babe, this is the one night a year that you actually usually get a little drunk. 
So <laughs> fucking enjoy it. You know, you've had a hell of a year. <laughs> it's, you know, time to relax, not worry about the baby, but she'll be just fine, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah. But uh, Mandy, fantastic. If you're a, I don't even want to say other things. J- just watch it. Just watch it. And that's good enough to know. Uh, Get lost in the cage. Yeah, you you will. You're, you're, you will step into the cage, yeah. and you will you will not get out. But uh, there's a great. I think I might have mentioned this last time. But there's a great YouTube video. I'm not sure who like what company puts it out. I think Watch Mojo, one of those, because I've seen several of them pop up lately. With like right. you know, this actor discusses their roles. Like I saw there's one with Kyle McLaughlin recently, where you know, oh, talking about Twin Peaks. Oh, you're talking about that. the Vanity Fair one. It, that must be it. But he had one Nicolas Cage, and he's like talking about all of his stuff about how, like, the recent, you know, where he drew his influences from for all these different characters. Yeah, it's Vanity Fair. Okay, that's it. And then he gets to Mandy. I'm like, oh, pause. Can't watch this yet. Haven't seen Mandy yet. Don't want to know anything about it. Go into, yeah, that, that's exactly it. That yeah. one right there. Oh, GQ, my bad. But uh, it's a great, after you watch Mandy, you should watch it. Because again, Nicolas Cage is so pigeonholed now as, oh, he's crazy, Nicolas Cage. No, no. I mean, he does go to those places. But Nicolas Cage is a fucking actor. Like, yeah. and it, believe, if you don't believe me, watch that video and just hear him talk, you know, Nicolas Cage just talking. He's all like, oh, I was in this character. I was doing all this stuff. I was crazy. Like, for this character, I really wanted to develop, you know, he, he really goes into his thought process as an actor and the work that he put into his character. Yeah. And again, what we see on screen is a character. Now, also, in reality, we all know that Nicolas Cage is also a character. Mm-hmm. But you know, watching this video was because I was like, "Oh, what? Oh, Nicholas Cage!" Like, no, 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 stop! Come sit and watch this. With, like, because I mean, I think he, he gets a bum rap. He gets dismissed too. Like, oh, Nicholas Cage, Oscar winner, Nicholas <laughs> Cage. You know, and of course he had hit. I, I, I will not deny he will not. He would. He would. You know, you go from leaving Las Vegas to Con Air to Face Off to where those are choices. But, but what, what would you do in a world without Cameron Poe? I don't want to live in a world where Con Air didn't get made with him making those choices. Yeah. You know, so, again, everybody has an opinion. It's fine. I'm just saying, like, Nicolas Cage is an he's a good, in my opinion, he is a fantastic actor. Has he made, no actor's made the greatest choice of their roles. Yeah, in, in fact, in the comic Lachlan, when he'll talk about it, how he's in Showgirls, he's like, yep, I had a, had a good thought going into it. Then I sat there, and he's, he's as I was watching, like, the first five minutes, I'm like, okay, this isn't good. So by the end of it, I was like, what the hell did I do? Because, <laughs> of course, Showgirls got really, I'm not, I am not justifying that movie, because that movie is utter shit. But he, you know, like, from what he, he'll, you know, it's, it's good to hear an actor say, like, I had the script, I had this vision, you know, I had this idea for it. You know, it seemed like a pretty, you know, like it was going to be something, and then, you know, they got it, it goes through the directing, the editing, everything else, and it turned out, be complete garbage which was so mm. shocking because again because he starts off I want to work with Paul Verhoeven who wouldn't want to work with Paul Verhoeven I fucking would if I was an actor Robocop Total Recall and mm-hmm. Showgirls <laughs> you know so I mean it was just a bad choice all around <laughs> but you know people I think and especially with Cage just because of and his all again his off screen stuff lends itself to some of the crazy characters he's done but I mean you know Wicker Man notwithstanding which is still one of the greatest horror comedy horror comps of all time uh you know he's he's great i love cage so but mandy highest possible recommendation uh you can rent it on amazon don't watch it at 10 20 in the morning you know 
uh, get you some, get you a nice cold, cold drink of the adult variety. You know, watch it with some people who like interesting movies. Hmm. You know, I'm not going to say it's deep, but there are there are some choices that are, I would say, you know, not pretentious. You know, they they some people might say that, but I think the movie has a feel and a tone to it, and it holds that tone. And it's better, way better than fucking Face Off. Fucking hate Face Off. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, face. Off? No, I mean, I love Travolta and Cage in that movie. Right. But I hate that movie. <laughs> like, that to me, that was when John Woo was just like, like, John, what are you doing? What are you doing, John? You just made Hard Target and Broken Arrow. <laughs> Which, I love Broken Arrow. Broken Arrow beats face off every day of the week, even with the Cage factor. You know, if, if they could remake Broken Arrow, I can go back in time and get Slater, Christian Slater, to come out of that role and put Cage in that role instead of face off. It would the world would be perfect, mm. uh, but Broken Arrow I think to me was, was the last fantastic John Woo movie that I that I can think of without looking at his Iron to be history and going through each one like okay. Uh, and speaking of John Woo, one of his latest films I forget the name of it, but Ben on the Asia Mania podcast actually reviewed it and said that if I remember correctly, John Woo's still up to his old tricks, lots of doves and all that stuff. So oh, really? he's still doing that. <laughs> John, 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 John Manhunt I think it was. I think that's the one that uh, Ben was talking about. Wow. I believe, I'm pretty sure it was. Because when you mentioned Man, I was like, oh, like the video game from yeah. Rockstar Games, which was phenomenal, which should get a sequel in modern consoles <laughs> with a multiplayer aspect that's the opposite of Friday the 13th, where other players create their or pick the hunters and go after the one person as opposed to Friday the 13th, the game. Although now in Friday the 13th, the game, so many people are good at it that it usually becomes the good people are now hunting Jason. <laughs> Because Jason will run away when he sees that people are actually possibly going to kill him. <laughs> so that would actually work these days. Uh, and of course, again, we're recording this again a little late on October 5th. Uh, I've been watching a horror movie every night. But this year, so far at least, I've made an effort to watch ones I haven't seen. Or ones that you know I need to catch up on. Or Oh, I saw the uh, remake, but never the original, for example. Well, the first film I watched was a film called Abominable, which was... I thought it was a, one of those direct-to-DVD, but it was actually a sci-fi original, apparently, which I didn't know. Uh, but I had it on my radar because I saw a list of like the best Bigfoot movies. I was like, oh, well, that sounds... Hmm, that's worth checking out. Uh, even though it's called Abominable, and that makes me think of the Abominable Snowman, which is a Yeti, not a Sasquatch. But uh, this was a... It was a pretty... It was, it was worth watching. And it's hmm. actually on Amazon, too. It's not a good movie. I'm telling you that now. It is a. It is one of those. This movie's bad, but they had practical effects for the Bigfoot, and the Bigfoot looks ridiculous. Uh, there's a great cameo with uh, I forget his name, Paul something from Breakfast Club and Die Hard. Uh, Paul Gleason, who passed away not too long ago. There's a great Breakfast Club reference in the film with his coffee mug, saying "Mess with the bull," and it pans up and it's him. <laughs> which even Autumn giggled at that, so it got a laugh out of her. Uh, again, this is not a great movie. It's it's what you would expect from a Bigfoot horror movie, I guess. Uh, but it was quite it was it was bad good. It was you know if you want to watch something different in terms of horror, something a little silly, a little cheap, it's worth a watch for that. Hmm. Uh, but again, also as mentioned before, Return of the Living Dead is on Amazon as well. So if you haven't seen that, you should obviously watch Return of the Living Dead first. Uh, then we rewatched Cabin in the Woods, which I'd seen once before. I like. Uh, 
first time I watched it, I was like, okay, I can see why people like it. And then the second time I watched it, I was like, okay, I forgot about the end. It's all about the ending for me, all right. where everything goes to shit. Yeah. I was like, okay, that, that, that's the part that, like, that was so well done. Because you have your Hellraiser knockoff, you have your, you know, all the different horror knockoffs, monsters in it and everything. So, a lot of people think, in fact, our friend, and uh, one of your co-hosts on Heart Board Games, Travis, posted today, actually, that he just watched it for the first time and thought it was a great episode of Buffy. I didn't <laughs> watch Buffy, so I don't know about that. Yeah, I don't know. But uh, upon my second viewing of Cabin in the Woods, very favorable still. Like, I think it's, you know, it's, it's, it was very, it, it, it took a genre and put a spin on it that was great. And it, it, it was original while having so many familiar tropes, but still being completely unique. And I appreciate that for it. Great job. Uh, and of course, uh, pre-Thor, Chris Hemsworth, though it came out after Thor, because it was made like two years before Thor, right. and they never released it. Until, oh wait, we got the Hemsworth kid in it? Release this film now! Yeah. Pretty much. Uh, and then what else did we watch? Uh, well, last Josh night... We didn't wrote it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then last night, I watched the original George Romero version of The Crazies, which was remade not too long ago with uh, Timothy Oliphant, which I really liked that one. And actually, when I watched that one, I didn't even know that was a remake at the time. And even I'm sure it said, based on The Crazies by George Romero in the credits, and I just completely obliviously missed it. Mm. Or maybe I did and completely forgot. I was like, oh yeah, you know, Romero passed away like last year. Let me check out some of his films I haven't seen. Yeah, this film sucked. Has uh, a higher rating than Abominable. Honestly, I would I would recommend uh, Abominable over this. Wow. And I'll tell you why. This is that, that the crazy the craziest has a good story. It has a good story, but Romero, he is a godfather, one of the godfathers of horror. This is a horribly directed and edited film, and he did both. Mm. It's just, it's so, like, those aspects, I'm watching, it's like, God, like, and because when, nowadays, with our schedule with the baby, I always, if a film's two hours, I'm not going to watch it if I expect Autumn, uh, during a weeknight, if I expect, want, if I want Autumn to watch it with me, or like, you know, for something we can both watch. She usually falls asleep anyway, but nevertheless, we, t- we tend to, the baby goes down around 7.30, so 7.30, 8 o'clock, 8 o'clock to 10, Autumn goes to bed around 10, I usually pick something right at two hours or under, so like, oh, it's an hour and 43 minutes, perfect. We'll watch this and we'll watch an episode of something on Hulu and go to bed. So I know it's an hour and 43 minutes, I'm like, oh wow, I feel like this movie's been on forever. <laughs> hit up, you know, hit the button on the thing, 40 minutes left to go, I'm like, Jesus Christ, I'm thinking to myself, like, good God, like... And then, I, and then I, I tried to put myself like, okay, 1970, whatever it was when it came out. 73. Which, that's a, you know, that's, full disclosure, I'm not a big fan of 70s movies. <laughs> like, I, that's why this podcast is not 70s revisited, it's 80s revisited. Now, yeah. now 70s, Halloween, Jaws, uh, Star Wars. I'm not saying movies in the 70s were bad. But there was a definite style of filmmaking coming out of the 60s into the early 70s, obviously with the original The Crazies and Romero and everything, to where that was the style of filmmaking. I do not like it. Watch The Crazies and then watch an 80s horror film. Even watch Romero's later stuff. You see how the structure of film, and especially the editing, because in, cra- in the original Crazies, that's the, that's the biggest thing, like the editing. Because when people get shot, you hear a bang, and then it cuts through the person who shot. You get what I'm getting at here, Jesse? Yeah. They're already covered in blood, so they, it's like, they're filming this, bang! Uh, you know, grab where the blood spot is already on your chest for the edit. Yeah. And sometimes it's... Make it quicker. And sometimes it's cut to them. I can see the sh- their shot already and then bang, 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 and then the reaction. doesn't work. <laughs> it, 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 
not everybody. It. In 1973, most people probably didn't, you know, again, and this was that 1973, it probably was a lot better, obviously, in that, in that time. But again, I give passes to 80s movies with similar mistakes. But again, full disclosure, I'm not a big 70s movie fan. If somebody says, you should see this movie that nobody, not many people know, to, know about, and it's made in the 70s. Uh, miss me with that, bro. <laughs> I'm a, you know, unless like, you know, you, you know, somebody like you, Jesse, or my friend Larry or Jason or somebody, you know, one of, uh, Ben, one of my people I know who I trust with their taste in movies say, no, seriously, I know you don't like those movies, but it, it's good. You'll see the value in it. I see the original crazies. Good. Again, great story. Fantastic. Execution. No. Directing, <laughs> editing. No. It's just, I see what you were going for. And I, I don't, I can't fathom with that, that story. And you know you're coming off Night of the Living Dead, one of the one of the most iconic horror films, period. You know the Mount Rushmore of horror probably would have, you know, in terms of films, would probably have Night of the Living Dead on. I mean, it was a groundbreaking film, and it's still a good film. However, when I think back about it, it's edited shittily. It, although it's black, see, it's black and white, and it's well. I would say Night of the Living Dead's much better directed than The Crazies, and I think. It's probably because he knew he's working with black and white. So you have to be so much more careful with what you're shooting because you want it to show up in your shadows. You have to know where the shadow is and where the person is and all that. So mm-hmm. that lends itself to, you know, using the shadows on the wall to on a white wall in a black and white film for emphasis. You know, very, you know, look at Hitchcock stuff, same kind of thing. And I like George Romero. I like the, the of the dead, his of the dead movies, even the crappy ones like Diary and, uh, Survival of the Dead. They're still fun zombie movies. But the crazies, overrated. Although, like, remake, that, that is a modern remake in the last few years that is better than the absolute, completely blows away the original. I would, like, I, I want to watch the remake again now. A, Timothy Oliphant's in it, and he's always, you know, especially now, he's, he's much more known now, but, I mean, at the time, he was still sort of like, oh, it's that dude from, that I saw and whatever, you know, he wasn't too big. Side character. Yeah, pretty much. He was always that. You know, this was before he did Hitman and all that kind of stuff, and just before Justified, before Dreamcatcher. I mean, it was before all that. Actually, let's see. When when the crazies? Two thousand ten. He was in Damages then. Oh, oh this, this was after. Excuse me. It was after Hitman. Oh, and he was the villain in Live Free or Die Hard. Deadwood. I mean, so Deadwood was really kind of to me. I think his big thing that really, yeah, in terms of people in the industry, so to speak, or like other filmmakers, like oh. Because Deadwood was such a big series when it came out, much akin to how Game of Thrones or Walking Dead. Scream is, Two. Oh, he, oh, oh, God! I forgot <laughs> he was in that. Nah, no, Tim. Sorry, I can't give you support on that one. Now, again, I like the first Scream. Not a fan of any of the sequels. Hmm. Oh, it's you know, because the sequels go with the fact that oh, we got you with the first one because there was two killers. Great, ju- great spoiler. Sorry, you know. So let now let's do that in every one, but let's throw these curveballs. You know, because the first screen did a good job of like keeping, oh, maybe it's the, you know, not that you, you ever thought it was Henry Winkler, but like little subtle hints of like, oh, it's this. Oh, the sheriff has the same boots as the killer. You know, you're there, you know, which is great. It was, it works so good for the original. Not a fan of any of the other ones. Me personally. Although what, there's like six of them, five of them. There are five now? I think there's five screams. I'm not. I thought again, there were five too, but I can't find like evidence of that. Like, I don't even think I've seen four. Uh, all I remember is two had like the stab movie See, where last one. I think I think it's Jada Pinkett. I guess I just look up Nev Campbell and that'll tell me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> you 
And they had a TV show, which I heard the TV show was supposed to be pretty decent, but again, I don't watch too many TV shows. Scream okay, 4 maybe was it was the last only four. One. Okay. There was uh, a TV and, show? Yeah, there's you a mean Scream, Scream Queens? No. Scream Queens is great. That. I love Scream Queens. Uh, Jamie Lee, I'll watch anything with Jamie Lee in it. Especially Halloween 2018. Scream, weeks. Scream Queens is great, but there is a Scream television show, TV series right there. Uh, it's oh, on, there is. It's okay. on Hulu or Netflix, too. I haven't, again, haven't watched it. But I've heard, like, it's actually pretty decent. Hmm. But again... 7.3? Um, um, it takes a lot to get me... It takes more than just hearing that it's decent on the internet for me to want to watch a TV show. Scream Queens, when I heard what it was about and Jamie Lee was in it, I was sold. Even though Ryan Murphy did it and all of his shows, in my opinion, are great for the first season and go to shit. Hmm. Sorry for anybody who likes American Horror Story. I watched the first season of that and I thought the first season of that was trite and so predictable. Come in... Oh, it's a character I've never seen before? I bet they're a fucking ghost. By the end of the episode, <laughs> it's a ghost! Not good. Although, TV horror-wise, I am stupid excited for Jordan Peele's Twilight Zone. Hmm. That, cannot wait. Cannot wait at all for that. That's going to be super exciting. A, Twilight Zone fan. B, after Get Out, I trust Jordan Peele doing anything horror or thriller related. Uh, so... Well, well, we'll see. You know, it'd be a sophomore outing with it, but yeah. you know, he's he's very, very talented. He he seems to understand what made the nostalgic stuff good in the first place, which then obviously that translates to him doing you know, what he does in a good modern way without being too modern. I guess if that makes any sense whatsoever. So, hmm. but yeah. Uh, so I'm missing a movie that I watched, but. Because today's the fifth, and I should have watched four already, four horror, horror movies. Check your Facebook. Oh, yeah, there you go, because I did post that. It was Abominable was the first one, Cabin in the Woods, Crazies was last night. Come on, phone, work. What am I missing? I know y'all are just so interested in knowing. Well, in the meantime, you can visit me on twitch.com slash heartboardgames. If you want to see me play games, go give me a follow. Ah. The, okay. the film you had up earlier, Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. Yeah. Which Jesse posted a picture of the mask. <laughs> it's not a documentary on the mask. That's a, but that's a film that I heard, I've heard about in trusted horror circles, so to speak, in terms of like mm-hmm. uh, sites that, I've, that I follow that have been, where it's mentioned like, oh, people are like, what do you think of this film? And like read the comments like, oh, it's, it starts off different and it gets good. Yeah. Excuse me. Uh, again, never seen it. I've heard about it for years. Never watched it till the other night. It was actually really good. I enjoyed it. It, it was again. It's a fun horror film. Uh, it plays on the conventions of horror movies, and it's a horror movie itself, and it does it in a good way. So it worked really good. Uh, so if you haven't seen that one, it's definitely worth a watch. Uh, again, it's been around a while. It was from. No, oh, it doesn't say on the Facebook thing. There's no spiel on it there. But it's been around for a while. Uh, but it's good. Uh, Robert England shows up in it. Uh, the main girl, I didn't realize this until I looked it up after. She's the, the sister from Home Alone that goes, you're what the French call les incompetents. So she's in a Christmas movie I'm going to watch every year and a horror movie I'll probably watch one or two times again in my life. Hmm. So, But it's, it's good. It, it, it's, got, it's, it's well done for what it is. Uh, it starts... No, that's gonna spoil it. Just watch it. Just watch it. If you don't, and six point eight, which is pretty good for a horror film. Two thousand six, so it it is a bit old. However, 
I I really enjoyed it. Uh, oh, uh, Scott, can't think of his name, but Herschel from The Walking Dead pops up in it too, hmm. uh, and he's great in it. Uh, Scott Wilson. That's that's what did I say? Did I say Scott or say something else? You said Scott. Remember. Okay, good. My memory isn't going too bad. You said Scott something else. Yeah, that, that's not his last name. Oh, no. Wilson. 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 <laughs> yeah, but uh, again, if you haven't seen it, it's I'd recommend it. Uh, I'm not sure if it's on any of the streaming services because I watch it through other nefarious means. But uh, yar. it'd be worth <laughs> yar. yar. <laughs> uh, it's worth searching out. It's uh, on Prime Video. Oh, perfect. There you go. You could have watched it. And I know that's the thing. I get so pissed off, and I tell Autumn this all the time. There'll be a movie for the podcast that I cannot find anywhere, even on streaming or like on Amazon. It might be, you know, rare, and like a user is selling it for so and so, whatever mm-hmm. price. So I'll have to go, you know, yar yarring for it. Mm-hmm. And then I guarantee to you, within a month, it will be on a streaming service. Right. There's so if you go back and look at a lot of the movies we've done, they're probably streaming now. Yeah. Ones that I might like. The only one I'm surprised I haven't seen is Pulse. Uh, but I guarantee you that's going to pop up somewhere soon because that's the way it works. I'll go trying to find these movies, and then all of a sudden they pop up free on streaming. It's like I'm on the Trayman show. I say that to Autumn all the time. She looks at me, Trayman show, I nod at her. Trayman show. show. <laughs> so, yeah, but uh, anything you've been watching or doing lately, Jesse? Uh, just the plug of you know doing stuff online as far as streaming. And you now stream. It takes up a lot of time. Board, uh, I'm sorry. Board you're, games you're and playing mu- PS4. Yeah, well, it's either that or we're over there singing, playing music live for the internet on Melissa sings on Twitch. Jesse's pretty much live most of the time now. It seems. Yeah. yeah. Either on your wife's singing channel, the iHeart Board Games, and then whenever you play Monster Hunter. Or we do board game stuff uh, just live and in person, like we're gonna do at in just two hours. Bit. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Or I still work for the other companies doing that stuff. I don't know. It's always busy. Actually, for once, like right now, I don't have anything to do for the next like two weeks. I could use a little window stuff for my store. Yeah, it's on the it's on the list somewhere up there. <laughs> that's just a that's a that's a private matter between me and Jesse. But yeah. anyway, uh, that kind of does it. Oh, I, I did complete the new Tomb Raider. Mm-hmm. Uh, is all right. There was not enough combat in this one. It seemed like there was. Which again, more a lot of people. I, I like Tomb Raider over the Uncharted series. Aside, from, Uncharted Two is the best over all right. of them. But I would say Uncharted Two, Tomb Raider, Rise of the Tomb Raider, and then Shadow of the Tomb Raider and all the other Uncharted's are the same for me. Uh, the new one is just there was it just seemed more story driven, not in the way to where it's happening through what you're doing. Mm-hmm. It just felt it felt short. And you know these big open set pieces with like enemies in them actively to just go take out. Yeah. Yet they had all these new enemy mechanics like stringing them up predator style on a tree, and that kind of thing. So the gameplay was still there, but they didn't utilize it anywhere near as much they had in the previous ones in the series. So, but it does conclude this trilogy supposedly now, and they're going to go a different direction with the series Mm. because the people who rebooted it and did so fantastically with the first two. Uh, apparently they're going to do something. They have ideas. Yeah, or they're done with the series now. But I, I, again, I enjoyed it. But it was, I was overall, it didn't live up to the previous two, mm-hmm. which, so I mean, the story was there. It's just the the set pieces weren't. I mean, there's a, there's a couple of big moments, but it involved more just go, Laura, get there. You know, not yeah. so much. You still had your tombs, your challenge tombs, and all that, but none of the puzzles were. I mean, first trying. I was first trying all the puzzles. Right. There was no. Granted, they did add that you can turn the difficulty up. I just everything on normal. Mm. 
these days. I don't, Usually, I do. That's as well. th- this day and age. I don't. I used on call all the Call of Duties. I had the veteran achievements. You know, beat it on veteran. You know, just as a pride thing. But I don't have time for that shit anymore. And yep. besides, it was it was stupid because it, it it was stupidly hard intentionally, not organically because the enemies are good. It's just right. they knew that a bullet is coming towards your head no matter what if you stick your head out. Yeah, that's that's that that's the difficulty challenge. So it's more so psyching the game out and shooting people and living. Oh, uh, I did uh, I did see finally see uh, earlier this week the Predator, uh, and uh, speaking being an '80s podcast and an '80s franchise, uh, my friend Larry at the theater was like, "Dude, it sucks." I'm telling you right now, mm. it sucks. Like he he hates the film, so I did go into it. I did not go into it as I would have seeing it for the first time with no feedback on it at all. And I was exceptionally hyped for this film. Shane Black's writing, directing, mm-hmm. writing it with Fred Decker, Monster Squad, Night of the Creeps, two great, fantastic writers of, in my opinion, Shane Black is undisputedly a fantastic writer. Uh, Fred Decker's much more niche uh, in terms of niche, excuse me, however you pronounce it. Right. Uh, and his, uh, what he's known for. But, bo- you know, like I had high hopes for it, even though Olivia Munn's in it. I'm not an Olivia Munn fan. I don't think she's I'm that not good. either. Uh, however, so I went into it like knowing one of my good friends who I do, I do trust his opinion, like hated it. Like he absolutely hated this movie. He's like, dude. So I went into it with very measured expectations. So watching it, I fucking loved it. Huh. Uh, now I'm not saying it's good. Go into it knowing that it, it's not, it doesn't come anywhere near Predator, obviously. It's more along the line. It's, it fits into how the last, the two and three were. I mean, you know, so, because, I mean, two, I like two. Danny Glover, <sighs> sweating all over the screen. Yeah. In Danny Glover fashion. You know, it was, you know, it worked for that story because he's a cop in this future world. There, it worked. The uh, Predators worked because it was, you know, it was them pulling pe- criminals from Earth to hunt on another planet. Interesting concept. This one has an interesting concept, but I think where it fails is the right. I like the writing. I like the dialogue. Uh, the speaking of Jordan Peele, his other, the other guy of Keenan Peele, Keenan, not Ivory yeah. Wayans, but the other oh, guy, oh, um, what's his Keenan? Michael, Ke- Michael Ke- Keegan, Michael Keegan, Michael Keegan. Yeah. I can never it. remember his name. I just remember it's Keenan Peele. He's Jordan Peele and the other guy who shows up in everything these days. Yeah. Oh, and I did not know Thomas Jane was in it. Super Tom is in this film. <laughs> uh, but it, I don't want to spoil too much because it's, I, I, I do, if you like the Predator franchise through all of its highs and lows, if you like the other Predator films or like, you know, consider them worth watching, you will absolutely think this one's worth watching. There are, there are grown worthy moments in this film. And I'll, I'm going to spoil two of them right now because I want, if you know about them, you might not hate them as much as I do. But there's two callbacks to the original Predator or series callbacks. The first one is Olivia Munn looks at this predator and she goes, you are one lovely motherfucker. So immediate for me, right. eyes just roll to the, the farthest eye roll I could ever do. <laughs> just like, oh, that was completely stupid. Like, no, I see what you did there. Okay. Mm-hmm. There's another one <laughs> that I, I will, full disclosure, I laughed at, but I knew why I was laughing at it because it was so fucking stupid. Mm. They're pinned down behind this bus. This character looks over and sees these motorcycles. And guess what he says? Get to the choppers! 
Wow. So <laughs> those are the only two. There's one other horrible line of dialogue, which I, it's uh. only horrible because I'll tell you why. Those two are bad because they're callbacks that were, that were too, it was too much. Right. It was that, I know why you did it. You got, I laughed at the chopper one, but it wasn't the laugh of like, ha good one. It Grown was, laugh. oh man. <laughs> why was that in here? Took me completely out of it. Wow. Um, shame on you, Shane Black, for putting that in there. That uh. should be a deleted scene. Like, yeah, I took this out because I thought it was funny, but it, you know, it, it was too much. It was too meta for the movie, mm. which it was. And her line earlier. There's one. Now, this this is the last line of the film. So, spoilers for that. It's not. Again, there's nothing major. That's like, holy shit. Yeah. You know, like. But if Arnold had given it, I really feel like when they wrote this movie, they thought they might get Arnold for it. They thought there was a good chance of getting Arnold for this film. And then when they didn't, they just kept the dialogue the same. Uh, there's a line where he's like, I hope it comes in a 42 long. Roll credits. That's without context. When you see the context, you're just like, oh, God. Like, again, you're laughing, but because it was like that, on, I'm pointing to my nose. It's so... On the nose. Now, again, part of me loves that because <sighs> that's an 80s movie. Horrible. And that's, that's a tradition. Predator has some of the best one-liners ever. But they were good because they weren't calling back to anything else. I ain't got time to bleed. It's badass when Jesse Ventura says it. Right. Somebody says it these days, you can't. It was so badass the first time and iconic, you can't say it again. And you can't do a pun with a helicopter and a bike. It's not a bike, honey. It's a chopper. Pulp Fiction quote there for you. <laughs> reference there for you. So, but again, overall, no, going into it with lower, with measured expectations... I came out of it like, okay, I had a, I had a great time in that movie. Uh, there, it, it has, it, it feels like Shane Black takes you almost to a history of the previous Predator movies in terms of the feel. Like there are moments like, oh wow, okay, this is the Predator one part of the movie, this is the Predators part of the movie, this is Predator two part of the movie. Uh, and the if you've seen the trailer, the preview, you see that uh, I think is it Garrett Hedlund? I think it's the dude from Tron is the main character. Am I correct? Wait, what? Wait, who's the main guy? What are we, are we still talking We're about? Still, go down, yeah. It should be, <laughs> go up to the top. What? Who was, I thought it was the dude from fucking Tron. My, I'm like totally like, Boyd, was it that guy? Was his name Quinn? Okay, yeah, never mind, I was off. I, th- I, I could have swore it was the dude, uh, Garrett Hedlund. Anyway, well, the main character, Boyd Holbrooks, props to you, like he's, he, I like him, like he's a good actor. He did a great job of this role until he has to say that does it come it better come in a forty two long. Sorry, that is that that requires an Arnold Schwarzenegger or a Sylvester Stallone to say that line with a straight right. face. You know, there's moments like that. But the cast overall was fa- I enjoyed every like the group. If you seen the trailer where I was getting at, you see that he's in a bus of other inmates. Why are you in here? I saw a space alien. So you see where it's going. Like if you've seen the trailer, you you. You would know that you would re- might remember that, but that's where you see uh, Keegan Michael Key and all that in the trailer. Uh, Keegan Michael Key is the Shane Black character from Predator. He says a whole bunch of pussy jokes, mm. which were you know again that's a callback, but he doesn't say the same ones. But you, you you know it's like Shane Black has to have characters say the word pussy a whole bunch in all of his movies. <laughs> that's one of his things. You're gonna hear the word pussy a lot. At least it seems like to me. Uh, using Kiss Spider-Man. Kiss Man. This and <laughs> the original Predator. But uh, 
if again, it's I, I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, oh, the, I forgot. Yeah, the Nice Guys, one of the best films of 2016. Not fucking Iron Man three though. You dropped the bomb there, Shane. Oh, I still don't understand. Like some people still consider Iron Man three one of the best Marvel movies. I don't get it. That's me personally, me per again. That's my. That's me. Don't get it. I don't know why that. Like I was bored to death with Iron Man three. Like really, even even with Guy Pierce as a villain. Ending scene was great, but I'll let you know. Let's take the hero out. Of, let's take Iron Man out of his armor. I didn't. Mm-hmm. You know. Again, that's the. I'm thinking back about it now. That's the joke. It's not Iron Man three. It's Tony Stark one. Yeah, that's right. Like I. <laughs> Granted, Downey Jr. is great as that character, but I don't need, like, I didn't want to see, like, let's pick it up. I mean, you know, again, that's my complaint with that film. But uh, anyway, The the Predator. Uh, My only other complaint is, if you've seen the trailer as well, you know there is a bigger, badder Predator in the film. He's pretty much all CG. Very disappointing. Because the other Predator in the film, it's practical. Looks fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was a, that was a bit disappointing. Is that the main set piece for the latter half of the film is CG? Uh, looks decent. I mean, it's not bad CG. Uh, and oh, speaking of the cast, Olivia Munn. Again, going into it, I just don't. I this has nothing to do with her spilling the beans about some convicted child pers- uh, convicted pedophile that was in the cast, and they got cut. His scenes got cut out of the film, and all that stuff. All the behind-the-scenes stuff. I just don't think she's a good actress. Right, I never did. Didn't like her in X-Men uh, and all that. She did not do a bad job in this. Like, I did, Like I, I felt... She's one of those actresses when I see them, like, oh, Olivia Munn's in this. Like, great. She was not bad in this. Props to her. I'll, I'll give credit where credit's due. I did, I, she didn't take me out of it. Although, there's a scene in the end where she just comes out of nowhere. When you see it, you'll get my reference I just made out of that. I was just like, where the fuck did she come from? You know, there's there's a couple of stupid moments in the film again, but ima- you know, imagine if it was this is it, it definitely has that '80s feel to it, an older action movie feel with there's there's the grown worthy one liners like I mentioned, but the action is great, the uh, the practical effects are great when they're there, the CG you know it's it's again it's decent CG, but I like my Predator, you know, a large person actor in a suit on set throwing da- uh, blades at people and all that stuff. So, but bottom line, if you're a fan of the series, go see it. But that's also come from somebody who likes the first four Alien films. Hmm. Most people hate Alien 4. I think it's fun for what it is. So anyway. Anyways. What else? I think that's, that's pretty much sums it up for this week. We'll be back next week, or sooner than you think, wink, wink, since this one was not out uh, when I'd like to due to scheduling conflicts because of my little baby and all that fun stuff. Actually, uh, no, sorry. It wasn't Violet's fault this time. Sorry, Vi. It was my, there was a stomach bug that swept through my company. Me and Autumn were not spared either, but it was a weekday, so it didn't matter. It didn't interfere. It was yeah. an iHeart board game. <laughs> so, uh, we were, everybody, pretty much everybody missed the day. It just went through everybody. Wow. So, but uh, last Friday when we were supposed to record, I had t- it hit two people the same day. I had to send, one was already out from being sick that night. One got sick during the day, so I had to cover the shop and couldn't get here before game night. But regardless, hope to, we're aiming to get everything back on schedule for Halloween Horror because I promised they would come out all within the month. We're still within the month. Just four days late on this one. <laughs> yeah. So stay tuned for the next week's episode as Halloween Horror continues right here on AZ Revisited. And don't forget... Oh, sorry. I remember, sorry, I, I keep teasing the end. I'm teasing uh, yeah. you. Uh, our last episode was our best films of 1988 and our good friend and host of both the Asia Mania podcast and the BAMcast, uh, Ben Wyatt, Ben the Tasmanian Devil Wyatt, 
as I like to call him, sent in, sent in his favorite films of 1988, which we'll go over real quick. Hey, guys, here's my top film of films of 1988 in no order. Uh, Bloodsport, one of our honorable, honorable mentions. The Blob, which I went back to my list. I, I gregariously left that off my honorable mention list, but it should definitely be on there for us as well. Uh, Die Hard had that one on mine. Ernest Saves Christmas, which was an honorable mention. Uh, and then a couple of uh, Studio Ghibli films. Uh, Ghibli films, excuse me. Uh, Grave of the Fireflies and My Neighbor Totoro. Ben's a big fan of those, and they are great. Again, the Japanese Disney. If you're not familiar with those, check them out. Naked Gun, which was on our list. Uh, the fantastic Jackie Chan Police Story 2. Uh, Short Circuit 2, which we haven't done either of those on the podcast yet. They will, they will get here. Affirmative. Uh, and Roger Rabbit, which was also on our list. And uh, Ben, he also said, I should have read this before I talked about The Predator, because he says, have you guys seen The Predator? The trailer didn't excite me, but I knew it was going to, I was going to see it anyway, and I ended up absolutely loving it. I also recommend people check out a wow. movie on YouTube called Cover Me. It's pretty good. <laughs> That's all for now. I'll talk to you later. Cover right. Me is, of course... Cover Me is available now on YouTube. You can look up S-E-I-D-U-L-E Films on YouTube. That's a little film that uh, we made. Mainly Jesse. I did. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, had a couple I of made. camera works and a um, small camera, but that's it. But yeah, it's that's also, j- if you're in the Lake Charles area, it's showing tomorrow at Lake Charles Film Festival. So go see it on the But you can just watch screen. it at home if you want. Because <laughs> honestly, I don't even think I'm going. But <laughs> well, Lake Charles is a little bit away. If someone... Told me they were going on Mike, but send really it now. No. Let Jesse know now. Tweet, I'd rather sit tweet him quickly. Play some board games. <laughs> I don't blame you. Not much yeah. happening in Lake Charles these days. No, no. We had a film play there once, and it basically plays in like a classroom or something. No thanks. Yeah. I'll stay home. Yeah, exactly. Not worth the gas. Nope. But anyway, next week horror uh, Halloween horror continues, and don't forget to check out uh, again. I heart board games on Twitch. Uh, yeah, it's like just on... heart board games. I'm oh, sorry, uh, so, I said heart. Yeah, uh, that's the, our logo, but uh, we we have a 15 character limit, so we have to cut there off the go. guy. <laughs> so yeah, twitch.tv slash heartboardgames or twitch.tv slash Melissa Sings. I'm also on there. Mondays there and Wednesdays on that one. No, there you go. Tuesday, Thursday on that one. There you go. And maybe some major visited down the road if we could Absolutely. get stuff done. Or what? or maybe we'll just do an unscheduled one and just like fire it up whenever we're whenever you're ready. You know? Fuck yeah. Yeah. Something's going to happen. But also check out the old episodes of Now vs. Nostalgia. John and James are good friends out in Lafayette. Miss you guys. And then, of course, as mentioned before, Ben, the Tasmanian Devil Wyatt with both the Asia Mania podcast, which is back. We've just been doing solo uh, smaller episodes, which I think, you know, it's great, perfect length for my commute, which my commute is super short. Mm-hmm. One episode gets me to work and back to, back home. Yeah. So they're perfect size for me. And, it, you know, it's just uh, Ben's sexy Australian accent talking about some movies that he's had. And then, of course, he's on the BAMcast, which is also the Badly Awesome Movie uh, podcast, which is fun, like hearing other like-minded individuals talk about movies that we all know are bad, yep. but there's still a little nugget of enjoyment in some of mm. them, at least, for there. So, But until next time, everybody, we'll see you. Stay spooky and watch a horror movie every night. And, and I will remain, hopefully, Trey Harris. Jesse Sedgley. Cowabunga! Find this show and more on Facebook.com slash awesome pods and follow us on Twitter at awesome pods. <laughs> <laughs>